0: Amen. Hey, Midland. Good morning. Good to see you all in worship here today and to be with you all worshiping at home. Today's a cold day, wasn't it? Oh, it was minus two on my car thermometer on my way up here. I thought, whoo, I'm getting north. But I made it. I made it in time. And you got beautiful sunshine here. I like that. We we got snow, lake effect, cloud, dark. So I like being here even though it's cold. Hey, somebody uh, did an act of kindness for me up here. Gave me this Gatorade bottle and says, Pastor Tom, play like a champion today. So thank you to whoever did this for me, and I will remember that. I'm going to play like a champion today. Great. Oh, I want to continue on through the book of Colossians, Paul's letter, <clears throat> and continue to dig into what Paul has to say to us um, through this letter. So I'm looking at chapter 3. If you have a Bible would like to follow along, Otherwise, just listen up and allow your mind to take in what Paul is saying. So Colossians chapter 3 is where I'd like to begin. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do. Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We'll stop here. This is the word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossa. Now, I want to read these words again and just, for you to soak them in. Oh, Midland Reformed Church, caught in a time of transition, it's been difficult for you. I want you to hear these words. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you are God's chosen people. Out of all the people in the world, God has chosen you to be a part of His church established here in Midland, Michigan. You've been set apart to be holy. And because of Christ's holy. Loved. I just want you to soak that in and allow for the joy of Christ to dwell in you richly here this morning. God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. God very much in love with you and has wonderful plans for you. This is where we begin. Paul begins this chapter by saying, Since then you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. What is he speaking to about? He, we need to go back to the chapter before and remind ourselves what Paul said. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Remember last time we talked about this fantastic feat that God accomplished through the death of his son on the cross, that he took on our sins. And so when he died, we also died with him. And when he was buried, our sins got buried in that tomb along with him. And when he rose to new life without that sin, so God says we also raised to new life. You and I have eternal life. Not someday after we breathe our last breath on this earth. We have eternal life starting at the moment that we believed and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have eternal life. So we ought to live like we're, we have eternal life, not settling for something less than all God has in mind for us and all Christ sacrificed for us to have. So Paul says in this chapter to the church in Colossae, since you have been raised to Christ, uh, with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So. Back in the 1976 Olympics, there was a popular slogan that was being chanted and repeated consistently because some brewery wanted to sell some beer to the American public. Instead of saying, go for the gold, which was the, the chant of the Olympics, they said, go for the gusto. Remember that? Go for that rich taste that defines their product. Well, that carried on. People kept on to that phrase and kept saying it over and over. Go for the gusto. Don't settle for a cheap substitute. Don't settle for uh, what's less than the best. Go for it all. Go for the gold. And Paul would, I believe Paul is saying this to the church in Colossae and to us today. Don't settle in this life for anything less than all God has to offer you. Listen to these words of Paul in, um, in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes these words that sound very similar to this phrase. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. We read these words. Do do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Doesn't he? Sound like he's talking about the Summer Olympics, the track and field events? He says, run in such a way as to win the prize. Don't settle for just your best time. Don't settle for a bronze medal or a silver model. Go for the gold. Go for the gusto, right? But it's amazing that in our day and age, how many of us are willing to settle, settle for a cheap substitute, an instantaneous gratification, something less than the best that God has in mind for us, and Christ suffered so greatly to bring to us. And so Paul is challenging his readers, encouraging, exhorting them and us to go for it all, go for the gusto. We do this by setting our hearts and minds on things above where Christ is seated. Set it high. Set the bar high. Don't set it low, uh, things that you think you can accomplish, but set it high and trust the Holy Spirit to get you there. because of the great sacrifice that God has made so that you might attain it. You see, back in the Garden, back in in the Garden of Eden, when God is creating the world, he's creating everything with design and with purpose. When he got to the creation of the human beings, he stood back and said, this is very good. And I believe what God meant by that is it has design, it has purpose. It has turned out exactly as I had planned it to do. Unfortunately, just two chapters later, there would be the fall, which would stain and tarnish his creation for all history, proving that we no longer are living into the purpose in which God has designed. We're not experiencing the fullness that he had to offer. Throughout the whole of Scripture, God is trying to encourage and and woo Israel back to himself, But it never happened. And so God sent his son into the world, gave him up as a sacrifice so that we would be set free from sin and be able to experience the fullness of life that he had intended in the garden from the very beginning. This is what Paul wants us to experience. He wants us to experience it all. So Paul will go on and say these things then. Put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Pretty strong words, don't you think? Put to death. Don't just tame it. Don't just keep it around as a pet. These are the things that you need to get rid of in your life. These are the things that Christ put on himself and buried with him in the tomb. Stop taking them back out as if they're your friend, that they're They're going to help you experience the fullness of life. Don't be deceived by the father of lies that these are the things that are going to benefit you. Put them to death. They belong to your earthly nature, a cheap substitute for all that God has in mind to offer you. And then he gives a a short list. These are the things you are to put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. These are the things that that the church in Colossa were experiencing all around them in their culture. And maybe many of them were even giving into, believing that this is where pleasure and excitement and gusto is found, in these arenas. And Paul is wanting to make be very intentional to say, if you give into these, it will rob you of the opportunity to experience the best that God has to offer you. Now, if we look at this list, we might even start with the first one, say sexual immorality and wonder what all does Paul mean when he writes those words? What is the distinction between sexual morality and sexual immorality? Some of you are at the edge of your seat saying, Pastor Tom, tell us, tell us, give us those lists, will you? I'm not going to do that. Time just doesn't allow it. Plus, it's not the right platform for that kind of conversation. But neither does Paul. List that out in detail because they have the information they need to guide them and their understanding of what these terms mean. They have his letter and they have the whole of the Old Testament and they probably maybe even have access to some of the other letters of Paul. But what they also have is they have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts and our minds to understand the deeper mysteries of God. And so Paul lays them out there and says, don't contribute to these. His challenge, in his essence, is to discover for themselves what these terms mean and turn away so that they will experience the gusto, it all. I challenge you to do a study You've got the tools. You've got the whole of Scripture. You've got all of Paul's letters, and you have access to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit to guide your understanding of what this means today. What, I mean, God created sexual in intimacy. It's his idea, and yet as a culture, apart from God, we can distort it in so many different ways. What are the ways in which our culture today has distorted God's design and robs us of the complete experience that God had in mind for us? Parents of adolescence or pre-adolescence, I challenge you specifically to engage in this kind of study for the sake of the next generations who are growing up in this culture that is giving them all kinds of deceptive lies. Guide them, lead them on this journey of understanding so that they can experience in all what God had in mind for them and not a cheap substitute. We, we can engage these conversations at some point. I'm happy to engage with you. And we as a congregation will likely need to engage these conversations sometime this year. Our denomination is engaging conversations around this and the impact of their conversations will impact us And there is an opportunity and a place to have those kind of conversations. Please contact me, contact Pastor Brad or Pastor Alyssa if you want to have deeper conversations around what these mean and Paul is speaking of, what is the theology behind them. For today, though, let us know that Paul is stating that these things will trip us up. We don't understand what they are and put them to death. They will rob us of the blessing that God has in mind for us. But let's not just get hung up on those issues alone, which many like to do. We like to get hung up on those issues. Paul would go on to say, um, you must also get rid of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, And do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Wow, that maybe hits a little bit closer to home. We mentioned do not be angry. Get rid of anger. Now, Paul would also say be angry and yet do not sin. Anger is an emotion. Anger is neither good nor bad. It just is. But what do you do with anger? And that's where I believe Paul is getting at when we become judgmental and critical and despise others. We can even act out in behaviors that try to hurt and uh, control another person. And that can grow and fester into violence like rage, slander, and malice. Paul Eve also, even challenges us to be careful of the words we use, how biting and uh, hurtful those words can be when they're rising out of our angry self do not get rid of these things have have any of you ever been in a situation where someone is angry and they're not in control of it and it's been hurtful hasn't it it's been painful and so we 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 can understand that if we don't hold on to this emotion and use it in a proper way it can Hurt the relationships that mean so much to us. So Paul says, rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, and do not lie. Do not buy into the, the tactics of the father of lies who is bent on diminishing the full experience of God's love from happening in your life. Get rid of such things. Strong words in a culture that is greatly at odds with one another, right? We're so divided, so polarized. The hate, the anger, the violence erupts around us. Paul says, don't become like the culture around you, but stand distinct so you can make a statement about who Jesus is. Paul would say then, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and he gives a list of things to clothe yourself with. Pay attention to what you put on, what you wear, so that you might make a statement. Some of you might notice that sometimes I make a statement with the outfits I wear. A couple weeks ago, I wore some bright yellow pants. My understanding is that online, they looked like fluorescent maybe, right? Right? with a dark blue shirt on, and some of you said he's making a statement about those mighty Wolverines in Ann Arbor that are just tearing up the basketball court this year, aren't they? Not right now, because they're not playing, but they were. Um, I really wasn't trying to make a statement. Those are just a a pair of my favorite pants. I wore those to a wedding this summer for a, a young couple, and when they came to me to shake my hand, she says, oh, I love your pants. I love it when people wear statement pants, and I said, oh, That's what you call them. Those are my statement pants, right? Believe it or not, I I chose my outfit out today to make a statement, too. Some of you might understand what my statement is. I hope you do. Uh, If you don't, you can contact me, and and I'll tell you what my statement is. But, um, yeah, clothe yourself in order to make a statement. And Paul is saying, make a statement about Christ. Make a statement about uh, his love and his grace, and his mercy. So these are the things that Paul wants you to put on. And that stand in sharp contrast to the list that he just told you to get rid of. Put on compassion, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's a sharp contrast from the other two lists that Paul has told us to put to death and get rid of, right? Much softer, much kinder, much more loving, as Christ has demonstrated from us. Paul is getting this list from the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is doing is he's recognizing that because Jesus was the identity that Paul established in chapter 1, he was the son of God. He was the image of the invisible God. He was the firstborn over all creation and the firstborn from among the dead. The uniqueness of him, he had two dual natures. He was fully God and he was fully human at the same time. So he was the perfect human, wasn't he? Because God cannot sin. And so you put those two together and you want to know what it looks like to live the fully human life. You look to Jesus Christ. And what were the the statements that his life made? What were the characteristics that set him apart from the culture around him? Paul says it's that he demonstrated compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, forbearance, forgiveness and love on a consistent basis in a world that didn't look anything like that. And I wonder, if the church got serious about living for the gusto, going for it all, trusting God's way over culture's way, what difference would that make in this world in which we live in? I'm I'm thinking this past year would have felt a little bit differently. As some of uh, my brothers and sisters got caught up in the Facebook wars, over social and political issues, and even husbands and wives that couldn't agree on whether we should wear a mask or not during this pandemic. There's very little compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility going on in some of the relationships I saw, and I, I, I wished and I prayed that more would grasp onto these words that Paul shares here. Last time I preached, I gave a challenge out to the the children and youth and said, if you can figure out what the New Moon Festivals was all about, let me know. I got got a prize for you. I'll reward you for your learning. And I had one child take me up on that. She got a Snicker bar. It was a a full-size Snicker bar because I like the blend of chocolate and peanuts and caramel and nougat. It's just fantastic, unbeatable. I hope she enjoyed it as much as... I enjoy those. Um, new Moon festivals, just a little insert, if you don't know. Back in numbers 11,28, 11, 28, 11, one, one of the two. Um, God speaks of celebrating the first of the month, when the new moon is rising. Celebrate. New Moon festivals. Not a bad thing, but what Paul was saying is they were celebrating, but they weren't changing their lives in conformity to God's, God's will. They were just doing it so they could be in good graces with God. And so Paul says, don't do those kind of things. But I fully encourage new moon festivals if you can do it in the right spirit because I'm all about a great party. Today, I would challenge children and youth, if you could do a, a, an act of kindness in this coming week, that you would put on the clothing of kindness and do an act of kindness and share the story with myself or Pastor Brad, I have something for you. I still have some snicker bars, full-size snicker bars, but I, I might have to get some, something else to go along with it. So did you just let me know, text me, email me, stop in to the office or, or Pastor Brad, and we'll make sure that you get rewarded for your act of kindness, as Paul writes about here. So, since you have been Raised with Christ, don't settle for anything less than everything God has in store for you. And do that. Set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above. High standards where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Put to death, therefore, anything that belongs to your earthly nature. And rid yourself of those other things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. And do not lie, but rather clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. This is what God has called us to. And this is what, where God will instill within you the fruits of the Spirit and the blessings of deep, abundant joy in this life and the next. Amen.